Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. If you have been awake or on planet Earth in the last couple months, you have noticed that attacks on Jews are increasing. Um, attacks on Orthodox Jews were already going up over the last several years uh, to the point where walking around being visibly Jewish was feeling uh, kind of scary. Uh, kosher stores were attacked. Um, Hanukkah parties inside of private homes were attacked. Uh, the Jersey City shooting, it did end up in a kosher store, but the original target was a yeshiva. And so the feeling of being Jewish and under attack um, has been, I think, the feeling of visibly dressed Jews for a while. Um, and in the last few months, um, as an excuse, as purely an excuse, uh, with the Gaza attack in Israel, I'm not gonna call it the Gaza war, I'm gonna say when Gaza attacked Israel and Jews refused to die, did that awful thing of not just sitting back and letting missiles explode uh, into civilian homes and murder people. Um, it then became more and more popular around the world to just attack Jews everywhere, to listen for people speaking Hebrew, uh, to go up to the street and ask people who weren't even visibly dressed Jewish if they were Jewish. Um, and these attacks have been increasing all over the world. This is obviously concerning to everyone. There's an amazing organization that did something pretty bold and pretty exciting to fight back. Um, and if you haven't seen them around yet, go to Times Square, just look up and you'll see. Um, the organization is called Jubilong and we're so excited to talk to its co-founder today, Archie Gottesman. Archie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So before we talk about the Jubilong or Juby Gone campaign, it's very clever. And just want to say, I love the fact that you created an organization with the word Jew. I have a similar feeling about that. Um, tell us um, what Jubilong is um, and kind of what made you decide to start it and when. So Jubilong is a organization that is online. It's an it's a platform for resources and for education for people who are, um, they're Jewish, but they don't always feel within the community. And I really would bet that a lot of your listeners maybe would not necessarily be Jubilong, they may not be Jubilongers, um, as I affectionately call them, but I bet that they all know people who are, because those of us who are in the Jewish community um, so often I hear from people who are like, you know, Jubilong isn't really for me because, you know, we always um, celebrate Shabbat and we have a, you know, a traditionally Jewish home. But, you know, my sister, it really doesn't do, you know, doesn't really live a Jewish life. You know, her husband's not Jewish and they're doing something different or my cousin or there's a lot of um, people within the Jewish community who who, who take a look at Dubalong and they say, this may not be for me. I, I love it though, but it is for someone else. And I have a feeling that that may really resonate with a lot of your, um, your audience because that, because the Jubilong community are people who just feel just a little bit on the outside. They are by no means, they are not anti-Semitic. They don't hate anything about Judaism. They just maybe didn't get the education that, um, that some of us got. And also sometimes there are people who may not be Jewish, but might be living a Jewish life because they're in an interfaith relationship and just, you know, they're bringing up Jewish children and they have a Jewish home. But um, and I, it's Jubilong really believes in broadening the tent and welcoming all 
welcoming everybody um, on their Jewish journey, whatever that journey is. Amazing. What was the motivation for starting Jubilong? Like when, why, how did you decide that it was time to do something? So interestingly enough, I was, um, I was brought up in a, a conservative upbringing um, out in, in Morristown, New Jersey, and was living my life. And I uh, fell in love with my my now husband. This story is about 20 more, almost 30 years ago, 30 years old. And Gary was brought up United Methodist. And I said to him when we started, um, it was clear that we might be falling in love. And I said, listen, I'm going to marry somebody Jewish. It was very important to me. It was just, and I'm not terribly observant, but I'm hardwired. Like I'm Jewish. Like it's really a deep part of who I am. And I said, I'm going to marry somebody Jewish. And um, that's just, that's like part of the deal. And he was amazing. And he said, fine, then I'll convert. And I said, well, it's really pretty complicated. It's a lot more complicated, you know, being Jewish. But anyway, he, to his word, the man's amazing. He converted and, um, you know, took, took a couple of years. And anyway, and then I had honestly the fortunate experience of watching Judaism through Gary's eyes. And I really felt like, wow, here's this amazing man. And I know that, you know, sometimes Jewish people, we, we complain that our numbers are shrinking, you know, about like whatever, because of whether it was the Holocaust or whether there's assimilation or, oh, no, there's not enough Jews. So here I am like, guys, here's this amazing guy who has joined us, you know, his own free will. And I didn't feel like Judaism was as welcoming to someone like Gary as it should be. And I wanted it to be that. And in a, in a very, I'm a business person. I've been in business for a long time. And it almost was like sort of something off with our branding. And it was not as welcoming or as warm. And, and I wanted to try to change that. I wanted Judaism, which sometimes leads within, it can be intimidating to people. And if this is nobody's fault, by the way, this is just what it looked like. It can be intimidating. It can be, oh, it's all about the rules, not about the love and the values and the the importance of Judaism. And I wanted to try to change that. I wanted to put the love and the humanity and the values and the, you know, some of the amazing traditions of being Jewish um, in the forefront. And that's where Judaism always leads. We always say that we we give you the good stuff. And it's not the superficial stuff, by the way, but it's the important and we really, really try to, to do that. So in a way, if I hadn't met and fallen in love with Gary, I don't think I would have necessarily seen what Judaism looked like to someone new. Um, so that was really helpful to do that. And that opened my eyes to lots of things. So that was, um, yeah. Beautiful. And I, I think there's a lot you. of shared space between Jubilong and Jew in the City in that we're trying to have people get a fresh look at what you know, Jewish life can look like if it feels, I mean, what we're doing is essentially if the Orthodox world feels off-putting or, you know, a place that you can't sort of understand or you feel like they've been kind of closed off. I understand that, you know, that's how a lot of Jews feel in terms of like, you know, in between denominations. So um, I certainly love the idea of more inclusivity and making it engaging and also, um, using great marketing to get people's attention. I think at the end of the day, um, too much Judaism has been given over in a way that's kind of boring. You said it's nobody's fault and I don't wanna go around blaming, but isn't the Hebrew school system broken? It's interesting, um, Archie and I realized that we grew up going to the same synagogue. So we have that background <laughs> together, but um, and I don't think anyone tried to break Hebrew school, but 
I think sort of the current state of affairs of sort of the high holiday Hebrew school system is not working for a lot of people. What do you think? I agree with you. I, I don't think it's working for a lot of people. And I think that there are a, a lot of really well-meaning um, good people who are trying to fix it. And I just, I, I do think that there is, there's, there's somehow or another, at least my experience and our shared experience, because we did have, have, have that, it wasn't, it, my experience, although he must've done something good, because here I am today talking about it all years later, it certainly stuck with me in some respect. But I do think that the, um, it was, even as a kid growing up in a Hebrew school situation, it was easy to feel like an outsider. I, it is, it's funny, there's something about Judaism, it's easy to feel like, oh, you're a better Jew than me and you do this more and you do more things. So that must mean that you're better and all of that stuff. And I I, I know that that's a part in all different um, spaces in Judaism. It's, it's not necessarily having to just do with whether it's orthodoxy or conservative or reform. So yeah, I think you're right about the Hebrew school needing to be um, to be fixed. And I I just think it's really important what happens to our next generation and how they're educated and how they feel like they own, um, they own it and they love it instead of feeling like, Oh, you know, the, Oh, my kid hates Hebrew school. It's like, and then it's kind of a joke. Cause everyone says, yeah, of course everyone hates Hebrew school, but that's crazy. That shouldn't, that really shouldn't be the way that it has to, that it has to be. I would also say that now is a time um, it's the three weeks. It's a time that we're leading up to Tisha B'Av, which is, sort of um, marked the destruction of uh, the temple and you know the beginning of our exile and it was sparked due to baseless hatred. So I think you know talking about Jews belonging um, during this time and trying to help people feel included um, is so on the mark because the more that we can kind of get past our differences and find ways to welcome each other in, um, I, you know I think we can we can heal thousands of years of, um, of problems. Um, something that we spoke about before, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you're the program, the organization is not coming from an Orthodox perspective. And sometimes Orthodox Jews open up their mouths and, you know, sort of offer their opinion about the halachic status of something or, you know, if it's not quote unquote to their standards. Um, I guess I just want to speak to that point as a vo uh, Orthodox voice speaking to anyone listening that may listen and uh, not realize this. You don't have to say everything out loud. Um, you know, to be a mensch is sort of the most um, underlying principle of being a Jew. And just because you may not agree with something or it may not be part of your uh, framework of how you see Judaism, if you, you know, live through a halachic framework, doesn't mean that other people are interested in your opinion and doesn't mean that your opinion might not be hurtful. And so um, something that, you know, we teach to our kids is that we can both believe that we're doing the right thing. We can believe it's true. And we can also believe that we don't get to tell other people what their truth is or what their way of life is. And it's kind of a complicated way to, um, to exist. And yet I think we have to, I think we have to be able to hold on to complicated truths because if we don't, um, we won't let people belong we'll stay in exile um, and we'll continue to spend our lives running. And I feel like exile is kind of a nice segue over to, um, to this Jew belong or Jew be gone campaign you're doing. Um, yeah, so, no, 
Sorry. Yeah. So t- tell me about how. Yeah. How did no, it, I, so what is Jubilong or Jubigone? Um, when did you come up with it? Tell us about some of those amazing billboards that you're putting around. Okay. I would love to. Um, can I share a story just that you really just inspired me to, to share with you before sure. I, I jump into the Jubilong? Okay. So, and there's so many, cause you just said that so beautifully and we really share, I think when Jews just start having conversations about this, I once spoke about how to have a kick-ass Seder in New York up at the, um, at the JCC. This is, and this, and I was talking and it was mostly to a Jew belong kind of an audience, people who did not, maybe wouldn't be having a Seder, maybe might be going to someone else's, but wouldn't necessarily have their own. And Jubilong has a fabulous Haggadah on our website. Many people really love it. So while I'm talking, there are these two guys who were kind of close up to the front near where I was speaking. It was a live event and they were wearing kippot and they were talking to each other during the middle of my talk. And I was like, oh boy, I must have said something wrong. And Judy, Judy, Jubilong has this word called Juberis. And all of a sudden, it, it's when you feel like you're going to say something wrong. You're saying something you something wrong Jewish. You're just getting it wrong. And all of a sudden, even though I'm the speaker, I literally started getting Jubaris thinking like, oh my God, those guys are like more Jewish than me. I must be saying something wrong. Oh no. And like, it was just in the back of my head and I kept going with the talk and it finished. So anyway, the talk is over and I'm sitting and talking to different people after, you know, coming up to ask questions and things like that. And the two guys come over and they were so nice. And one of them says, oh, my gosh, that was great. That was really interesting. It was really funny. This Jubaris thing, because I've been explaining what Jubarisment is. He said, we go to YU, Yeshiva University, and this Jubaris thing, thing happens to us all the time. And I said to him, I was like, you go to YU? Guys, dude, you're like the ground zero of Jubarisment of others. How is that? How can you... Jubarisment even exist at YU. And he's like, oh, Archie, like you have no idea. He's like, there's always some way that, you know, Judaism can be a little more, a little harder, a little more observant. And I just, I loved him for being kind of funny and honest and just, it was really interesting. And I just, I learned then that like, you don't have to be perfect, which is, you just have to sort of try with your heart in, in, in with, with Judaism. And I think that Anyway, it really helped when he said that, like, they get you embarrassed at Yeshiva University. I was like, wow, that's actually really cool to hear. Um, anyway, so going to the reason that Jubilong, which is really about joyous Judaism and what we were just talking about, started talking about anti-Semitism, frankly, is because of exactly how you intro the show. Because it is happening. Anti-Semitism is getting worse. It is becoming normalized in many circles. People just, they say anti-Semitic things and they're not ashamed of it. And they're not, they're, they're brave about it. It's insane. And Jubilong as an organization, I really felt like we don't have a choice. Like, to be perfectly honest, I don't understand why every Jewish organization isn't, you know, shouting from the rooftops about anti-Semitism and how bad it is, because if we don't, I I really believe that if we don't pay attention to it and we don't um, really stand for something better, then it is going to get worse. I just think that, listen, the Jews have been down this road before. It is, we, for some reason, we can be scapegoats. People don't like us. 
And of course, not all people, but there are anti there are anti-Semites out there. And standing up loud and proud and fighting against that is just really, really important because I think they're bullies and bullies, you know, go after people who don't fight back. And it's just it's awful. So that's why we decided to start Jubilong or Jubagon, which is really a pivot for our organization to be talking about anti-Semitism. Um, and share with us some of the um, some of the billboards. I know one of them says um, we're only 75 years past the gas chambers, so no, a billboard like this isn't an overreaction. Did I get that about right? You did. You got that right. One of them um, says, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. One says, I promise to love being Jewish 10 times more than anyone hates me for it. Hmm. Um, really powerful. One of them says another one one that said, if you think that anti-Semitism isn't real, try, you know, walking around in the yarmulke and, you know, see how it goes. That one, I I actually appreciate that um, so much, you know, as a Jew in the city um, to a Jew belong, because um, I think the Orthodox community, again, now we're at the point now that Jews anywhere are getting attacked and they're asking, they're asking for us if we're Jewish. Um, But those of us that sort of go out every day and put on that Jewish looking guard, we feel so at risk. Um, oh. but what, what kind of feedback are you getting um, from these, uh, these billboards? We are getting such positive feedback. Um, almost, there's everything from thank goodness people are talking out. Like, it's great to see that there's loud and proud. We are getting a lot of comments from people who are not Jewish who are just really happy to see it say, I'm not Jewish, but I really, I hate anti-Semitism. I've seen it in my, you know, people tell stories about how they've seen it and they are really um, happy to be allies to the Jewish community. Um, we're just getting, there's just that, you know, billboards about anti-Semitism, not that common. And there is this almost this kind of communal, like, wow, we're so just really happy and proud to see that. And um, yeah, it's, and it's our world right now. It's a, you know, the world's very funny. There's a lot of tweeting and social media is so big and, and the Jewish community is small. We need to be extra loud about being um, against anti-Semitism and using uh, allyship when possible, because there are plenty of people out there who are not anti-Semitic. Most people are not anti-Semitic. But it's just it's a matter of pointing it out and saying that's 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 wrong and we're not going to stand for it. Um, No, the point that you're saying that every organization, Jewish organization should be speaking about anti-Semitism right now. You know, I look at these continuous attacks on Jews and like I said, you know, the majority of them on Orthodox Jews. There was a Chabad rabbi stabbed in Boston last week. No national news news coverage. Um, You know, the story barely touched. If this was any other minority. Um, it would be such a different treatment, um, which is just so frustrating. And, you know, even on the subject of media, orthodox depictions in media, which is something that we do a lot, and we try to call out the sort of obsession that uh, media has with us, we find it so difficult for anyone to listen and to care. Um, And so there's a billboard in Manhattan certainly gets attention, and it sort of forces a conversation in a way, you know, that... um, using social media may not as well. Have you found um, people are sharing it on social media? Like where do you find is sort of the the biggest uh, coverage in traditional media or via social media kind of, are you measuring those metrics? Social by far. Uh, Social, the good thing about compelling 
advertising, which I learned back when I was, um, I did the branding for Manhattan Mini Storage for many, many, many years. And we learned how to use pop culture and, you know, we, 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 that was part of our narrative just to sell a commodity like storage. So doing the same with, um, with antisemitism is by saying things like one of our lines that's very popular is being woke and anti-Semitic is like being a vegan who eats veal. And um, that gets people share when people see lines that they're like, Oh, that's an interesting thing to say. Like that's, do you know, it's just one of those, it's a way of saying it. Like you can just say stop anti-Semitism." that might work too, right. but by just adding a little wit to it, a little like what they say, Oh God, that's such a good, you know, that's a funny way of saying stop anti-Semitism or a, or a more compelling way. They get shared a lot. So that's what's happening um, is on social media. And then that's the way our media world goes now is when it gets, when things get spoken about, then it will get picked up um, by more traditional media. And we hope it's more. I mean, I love speaking with you today because this is a way of getting the, the word out about, uh, about the campaign um, and about anti-Semitism. Um, but it, again, if other groups do seem to get more um, attention and more care, and I mean, I agree with you, sort of a similar thing besides using Jew and you know, sort of um, catchy marketing, um, angles on social media with the hope of getting picked up in traditional media. Um, it's not so easy. It's not so compelling to, or, or it's, it's compelling that the messages are compelling, but somehow um, it's hard to make the case to get picked up and matter. And I guess maybe it's that complicated nature of being a Jew of sort of like, we seem like we're doing too well in order for people to actually care about us or feel like we're oppressed. And it's sort of like the curse of too much success. Um, or people um, thinking that, you know, anti-Semitism ended with the Holocaust. What about, um, I mean, I've seen some negative responses from Jews, um, you know, from some of the stuff that we've put out, and it could be because we're, you know, from an orthodox angle and kind of um, a direction that is um, getting people more annoyed, but I've heard people actually victim blame where they make comments like, well, you know, he could have worn a baseball cap or he could have, um, you know, cut off his payas. Um, is there anything, it could be that just because we're sort of going with that more orthodox angle that, um, that you know, we've gotten that sort of response. Is, have, have you seen anything like, like that or it's pretty much been um, positive overall? No, we see, you know, the anti-Semitism that Jubilong receives, it, there's plenty. I don't uh, at all want to sound like, oh, everything's fine and everybody loves us and they think that it's really catchy. We get everything from, you know, Hitler should have finished the job and, you know, should have burned you in an oven to, you know, you're killing Palestinian babies and drinking their blood. Like it's very, but the, and, and I, I find it incredibly troubling. I find it horrible. And I think that the, the thing to do, and it's not, it's not, it's not easy, but the focus is that the haters, the far haters will, they're always going to hate. They just are. I mean, that's just like, I don't know, man, we can't fix the entire world, but what we can do is know that there are most people are not, you know, they're, they're good people. And it is really a matter of sort of speaking to those who are, um, you know, the masses who 
who may not, you know, just may not, who may some say things like, oh, I mean, like t- there's terrible things. Like, you know, people still say, well, I'm going to Jew you down. And because Jews, like, that's a terrible thing to say. And people should be like, should, should, should call it out and say, that's not an okay thing to say. We have on our website, this is really, this might be fascinating. Um, I, I was blown away when I read it is we asked our social media to, um, we said, ask people to share experiences when they felt anti-Semitism. And we have hundreds of responses and they are on our website under the anti-Semitism section on jubelong.com. And we had to organize them by three sections. We Basically, there's one called Pennies, You Killed Jesus and Horns, because so many people emailed and said that, you know, oh, my school teacher, my third grade teacher wanted to see where my horns were. I mean, it's crazy, but it's just by by really shining a light on it. One of the women who work said Jubilong is not Jewish. And she read it and she's like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And I said, I and trust me, I was a little surprised, too, by some of it. But just by sort of putting it out there, like, this is awful. It's not okay. There was a tremendous amount of pain in a lot of the stories. But, like, I'd rather that there's some light shined on it than, than hiding in the, you know, pretending it didn't happen. But it's it's really interesting reading. And, um, you know, if not all, it's a little heart, heartbreaking, too. But I think there's something cathartic about and, and about people showing their vulnerability many many more we got more that are not even on the website and people said thank you for asking okay. like thanks I nobody ever asked me before and I haven't told anybody this story okay. except I'm writing it to you at Jubilong and you know thank you and there's just something very powerful about that I love it we've got about two minutes to go um in closing and sort of thinking more along the Jewish unity with uh, Tisha B'Av approaching theme um I sort of spoke to um, the Orthodox Jews that need to just kind of keep their mouths shut and, you know, walk around with uh, their mensch first uh, before any of their strong opinions. What about on the other side? Do you have any thoughts about, because, you know, when our enemies come after us, we have to kind of like come together and be united. But when they're not, we do a pretty good job of division. So do you have any thoughts um, from, you know, the non-Orthodox denominations on them, you know, kind of how, how can they approach their Orthodox brethren maybe um, in, a, in a more open way? So, you know, to, to make them feel like they belong. Mm, that's a beautiful question. Um, really, it's with, it, it's with beautiful curiosity um, with like, and to get over ourselves. Like sometimes when I'm speaking to sort of the, the non-Orthodox Jewish world, sometimes this is, it, like people will really share with me. Well, I don't feel like that. Like they're like, it sounds crazy, but I think that there's people who are Jewish and not let's call it observant Orthodox, wherever we are in the continuum, they might be intimidated. It's not that they're like, like many people are intimidated. They're like, Oh, I can't go. Cause I'm not a good enough Jew. And you're a better Jew than I am. Oh, Allison, look at you. You're, you're like, they think it. I've had this conversation with rabbis who are, I said, the fact I can even talk to you, rabbi, is kind of a miracle because like I'm so intimidated by you. And now I'm kind of over it because I've been doing Jubilong for a while. But I think that some of the walls that we put up are they're the reasons are crazy. They're not because there's like, we don't like, it's just like, oh, you're better than me. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, which is crazy. And I think people should just get over whatever imaginary stuff is going on in their head 
and I've had conversations and with, I mean, my sister is, you know, modern Orthodox and she loves Jubilong, but because, and cause she gets the idea. So it's really sort of just realizing that some of the stories we tell ourselves about Judaism and different uh, movements, it's their stories. They're our own silly stuff. Like we're all at this time in the world, we need to unite and just be proud and just proud and Jewish and bold and loving. And I, that, that really matters. Amazing. That's a wonderful note to close on. Archie Gottesman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for Jubilong. Um, and thanks for speaking to me today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.